Have you ever been envious of someone else's ministry or position? Perhaps you wish that you could have a role that someone else already had. If so, Stephen's going to offer some help and advice from the Bible. What we all need to understand about our own ministry is that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. John the Baptist is a wonderful example of such humility. Stephen called this lesson, Removing the Competition of Ministry. In our wisdom journey, we've been listening in on a conversation that Jesus has been having with a very religious man, and and a curious man, too. His name was Nicodemus, and Jesus told him that being born again is necessary to enter God's kingdom. Being born again is a spiritual birth, the Lord has explained to him. And that takes place when you trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Well, now the Lord moves on and tells Nicodemus here in verse 18 that those who reject this message of salvation are condemned. And he tells him why in verse 19. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. In simple language, people reject the light of salvation because they want the darkness of sin. You know, you can bring a little lamb into your house and a little pig along with it. You can give them both a bath and scrub them all down nice and clean. You can tie ribbons around their necks. But as soon as you let them loose, well, that pig's going to go find a mud puddle. And that little lamb is going to go lie down in some green grass. Why? Well, they're, they have different desires. Uh, these animals have different natures. Well, the Lord is comparing the nature of an unbeliever with the nature of someone who's been born again. The Lord elaborates on that here in verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. In other words, he loves the mud puddle of sin. Now, don't misunderstand here. Even saved people can fall into that mud puddle. But Jesus is describing the difference between someone who trips and falls down in that mud puddle with someone who actually wants to live down there. Now, we don't know how Nicodemus responded here. In fact, he disappears, so to speak, back into the night. But don't count him out just yet. You're going to see him showing up a little later on. Now, meanwhile, we read here in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Now, later on, John's gospel is going to clarify that Jesus' disciples were the ones baptizing people, while Jesus was evidently doing the teaching. Now, keep in mind that this baptism was identical to John the Baptist's. It was immersing repentant people in water as they publicly prepared for the coming Messiah. This was a prophetic baptism, and this was an Old Testament baptism. By the way, don't forget, even though we're in the New Testament Gospels, we're still technically in the Old Testament days. The Old Testament system with its priesthood, 
its sacrifices, all of that is, is still in effect, along with Sabbath worship. It isn't until the Lord ascends back to heaven and the Holy Spirit descends and creates the church in Acts chapter 2 that the New Testament era, that dispensation of the New Testament church, officially begins. Now, back to John chapter 3 and verse 26, where we find John the Baptist and his disciples baptizing people as well. Well, some anonymous fellow shows up and informs them that Jesus' disciples are baptizing people, and they're drawing a bigger crowd. Well, this report makes John's disciples a little jealous. You know, they got a little competition going on here, and they're not too happy that Jesus and his disciples are evidently scoring more points than they are. But I want you to notice how John the Baptist responds. He says here in verse 30 to his disciples, He, that is Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, we're not in competition. We are in cooperation with the message of Jesus. I want to point out at this uh, juncture in, in our chronological study of the life of Christ, a couple of characteristics of humility in John's reply. And let me tell you, we need, we need this kind of humility today. The first characteristic of humility is this. Humility refuses to promote personal achievements. John the Baptist answers his disciples here in verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. In other words, you know, what are you fussing about? Our ministry, what, whatever it might be, is from God. We are nothing more than what God has made us. And we can't receive one thing unless God gives it to us. And that includes results in ministry. You know, I've often thought about the fact that the most competitive field is not basketball or baseball or football. It's the church. It's ministry. We compare budgets. We compare attendance records. We we compare baptisms and, you know, uh, uh, Christmas programs. Well, that's exactly what John's disciples are doing here, comparing the number of people following them with those who are following Jesus. Let me tell you, the breadth and the growth of someone's gospel ministry is determined by God. It's given as a gift by God to that servant. Verse 27 emphasizes that. You can't receive even one thing unless it's been given to you from heaven. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean we can be lazy or sloppy in ministry and then blame God when nobody shows up. It it does mean that while we work hard with what we have, we know God's given it to us, and we give God the credit then for whatever happens. God hasn't given all of us the same abilities or gifts, has he? You know, most of us are never going to be able to preach with the eloquence of Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I certainly wasn't given his photographic memory either. Sometimes I can't remember where I parked the car. But look, if we complain that we don't have what he had, we are giving in to the temptation of pride. And more than that, we're discrediting the wisdom of God who who formed us, who equipped us for the role that he wants us to have. 
So instead of comparing, we ought to be cooperating with the plan God has for us. The second characteristic of humility that that we see here in John the Baptist is this. Humility refuses to emphasize personal importance. Here in chapter 3 and verse 28, John says this, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You see, his disciples are wanting to elevate John's significance. John is wanting to downplay his significance. He says to them here in verse 29, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. John here is comparing himself to the friend of the bridegroom. Now, in this culture, that meant he was the best man at the wedding. He would have been responsible to make the arrangements for the wedding ceremony, and he served as the master of ceremonies. And for a time, everybody's going to listen to him. Everyone will follow his directions. But when the bridegroom steps out into the scene, well, the friend of the bridegroom would step aside and, and with great joy. That's what John the Baptist is saying here. For a time, everybody's been listening to me. You know, I've been making preparations for the nation, though, to meet the bridegroom, their Messiah. Well, he's, he's now stepped in on the scene, and it's time for me to step aside. And I do that with joy. Well, now, here in the next few verses, John the Baptist tells us two truths about Jesus. First, he makes clear that Jesus is the ultimate eyewitness. He says here in verse 31, he who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard. It's as if John is saying to them, look, I I can tell you some things about God the Father. I I can tell you some things about the glory of heaven. But, But Jesus came from there. He has seen it all. He is the ultimate eyewitness. Secondly, John declares here that Jesus has Uh, the eternal authority. He says in verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. In other words, only through Jesus, God's Son, can a person have eternal life. And with these wonderful statements and this this perspective, uh, the curtains are now about to close on a very wonderful, faithful uh, ministry of this man called John the Baptist. And with with his response of humility, I I can tell you John will have no regrets in his life or ministry. Today, beloved, let's live the same way. Let's think the same way. Uh, Let's say the same thing along with John. We must decrease, but Jesus must increase. So let's magnify Jesus today. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, on our wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson called Removing the Competition of Ministry. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International, 
and he's teaching through the Bible on this program called The Wisdom Journey. We're convinced that if you follow along each day and allow the truth of God's Word to change your life, your journey through life will be a journey of wisdom. Make a commitment to tune in every day for a new lesson. If you haven't already discovered it, I want to make you aware of the Wisdom International Smartphone app. That app enables you to follow along on this program, as well as Stephen's other daily program called Wisdom for the Heart. You'll be able to read our daily devotional, read all of Stephen's articles, follow our Bible reading plan, and more. Download the Wisdom International app from the App Store for your phone. Please do that right now, and then join us next time as we continue the wisdom journey.